0: what is good everybody welcome to another gold standard podcast production i'm rob stats guerrera happy to be here with you on a monday the monday that the nfl combine gets underway technically it doesn't start till tomorrow everybody's traveling They'll get there. I'm going to be joined by Vish Kumaran in a second. He's finishing up some work stuff as he always does on a Monday. Please, in the meantime, send us your questions, your comments, and as always, smash the like button, smash the subscribe button on the channel YouTube.com/slash at Stats on Fire or my Twitch page at Stats on Fire. And uh, yeah, fire away with some questions. We're going to get to the bottom of a big question for the Niners, but it's a question that continually keeps coming up because of all the quarterback stuff that keeps happening or not happening with this team and that is how did the 49ers fall out of love with Trey Lance that's what we're going to dive into Uh, some interesting video of Adam Schefter resurfaced a little while ago right after the draft in 2021 that I want to get to because it just seems obvious now that Trey Lance has gone from the third overall pick in the draft future of the franchise face of the franchise all that stuff to a last resort. And that's sort of amazing because it's only 2023. And he's only played four games. Yet we have seen a dramatic shift from the 49ers in that time frame. We want to look at what they were saying, what they were talking about, what they've done since then, how it's changed, and where it's going to go in the future. And, of course, we'll get an update tomorrow. Uh, John Lynch is scheduled to speak with the media at 11 a.m. Pacific time. From the combine, Kyle Shanahan, of course, not going for the second straight year. Um, so we'll get an update, hopefully, on Brock's situation because there was inflammation in the elbow that hadn't gone away when he was supposed to have surgery on the 22nd. So we'll, we'll get a status update there. We'll get a status update with Trey Lance, who was recruiting receivers to go throw with him at the end of last week on social media. So that's obviously a good sign that he appears to be um, progressing. In his rehab, he gave an interview with someone. I can't remember if it was Rich Eisen or Quincy Avery. um, But he said that he would be doing dropbacks and throwing this week. And based on what we saw on social media from him, it seems like that that has held up. So he hasn't had any setbacks or anything. That's obviously very, very good. You'd like to have, oh, I don't know, one healthy quarterback on the roster, you know, for OTAs and things like that. So that looks good. But looking forward to getting a little bit of news this week out of the combine because, um, you know, it was a little drier than normal. But we'll have some some hard actual news. And for anyone that doesn't know, a lot of groundwork is getting laid right now in Indianapolis. A lot of groundwork for trades, a lot of groundwork for free agency, because all the agents are there with all the GMs and they're all just huddling up, getting together, going to restaurants and drinking. And let me tell you, there is a ton of that going on in Indianapolis. It's so much less about the actual players on the field because, because all that stuff is videotaped and they send it all. Every team gets it. So you're not really missing any of that by not being there. That's why so many coaches have stopped doing it. The combine is more about that kind of behind the scenes, moving and shaking and networking and, you know, laying the groundwork, checking in on deals. And then down the line, as we get closer to the draft and free agency, that's when you start to see things kind of shift and move. Uh, Love the questions and comments. Diego, I'm at a work meeting, but at least watching on mute. We'll catch up as soon as I'm free. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Shout out, Diego. Appreciate that. Uh, Next, Brian Wellborn. Stop with the excuses for Trey. Fact is, he was a top three pick, paid millions, and he wasn't good enough to beat Jimmy for the job. And when he did play, he didn't look great. I wish it weren't the case. See, well, that like We're going to get into all of that. What happened in 2021? We're going to get into everything going on with Trey Lance. And I uh, just got a text from Vish. He's going to hop on in one minute, by the way. Because it was so... I think what people remember happening and what actually happened are different. Um, so we're going to dive into that. I'm just going to wait for Vish to um, hop in before we do. Biolateralist on Twitch. Is Kyle there this year or is he just hanging out with the new coaching staff? He is not there, as I said. Um, A lot of coaches aren't. A lot of Shanahan guys are. McVay's not. LaFleur in Green Bay is not going. Um, A couple other. I don't know if Mike McDaniel is going to Miami. I don't think he is. Um, And Robert Sala is not going from the Jets. So a lot of Shanahan people are not going. But like I said, it's all on video. They get the medical information, which is really the main purpose of the combine is to get all these guys examined to learn about their bumps and bruises coming into the NFL. And then, you know, yeah, you have the 15 minute interview session, but like, what are you really going to know about a guy in 15 minutes, especially a guy that's been coached up on how to answer all these questions? You're probably not going to discover that much. Rob Gronkowski was asleep when the Patriots came in the room at the combine. He fell asleep. When they walked in, the first time they met him, they walked in the room and he was not awake. So, you know, the Combine interview is like, don't overstate the value of that. Anybody that they're thinking about drafting, usually they'll do an interview with anyway. And it'll be a longer interview and it'll be a face-to-face. Uh, it'll be like a, a more in-depth, team-specific type of interview. Uh, let's see. David watching on YouTube. What gift will Jake Hayner send for inadvertently elevating his stock? That's uh, the thing. There's going to be a lot of quarterbacks that get picked late because of Brock Purdy last year. Like that is absolutely going to be the case. You're going to see teams take flyers on them. Everybody's going to want to find the next Brock Purdy, which for the 49ers is great because they already have him. And uh, hopefully he'll be okay. Like I said, John Lynn should have some sort of update for brock purdy and for trey lance but especially brock because like he he hasn't had the surgery yet he's going to meet with the surgeon in march early march uh which i realize is in two days uh to see if the inflammation has gone down if it has then he'll have the surgery if it hasn't uh, who knows then at that point right who knows what's going to go on with brock purdy he's already kind of pushing the boundaries of will he be able to be ready for week one in the regular season so yeah i don't know it's going to be uh it's going to be interesting what John Lynch has to say. Again, he speaks to the media tomorrow at one P no, wait a minute. 11 a.m. Pacific time. Sorry. I'm on the East coast. I got to do the time change in my head. 2 p.m. Eastern 11 a.m. Pacific time for John Lynch to meet with the media. All right. looks like Vish is a little delayed, so I'm going to get into the Trey Lance stuff. And if you have any questions or comments, I'll be happy to answer them in the meantime. Um, and then when Vish joins, he can just hop back in. So, Question, as I said, is how did the 49ers fall out of love with Trey Lance after they took him third overall in 2021? There's a lot of complicated answers to that question. Let's just take a look at what Kyle Shanahan said immediately following the draft in 2021. First press conference, April 29th, 2021. I'm looking at the transcript right now, sent out from the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan said, quote, I loved his natural ability to play the position, which was very impressive. Then when you add on a type of running element, which I've always been intrigued with, but when you've got a guy who's got the skill sets as far as the speed and size to where you're not going to make them a runner, but if you can get in certain formations where the defense knows you will run them, if they don't honor them now, everything's different. There is a lot in that one sentence from Kyle Shanahan. Natural ability to play the position is a fascinating part of this. As I welcome in our boy, Vish Kumar. And what's up, Vish? What's up, Rob? How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for uh, popping in here. I know you just bailed on the work meeting.
1: I didn't bail. It, it, it ended. I, I came here as soon as possible. Uh, I'm more a little miffed with the uh, old AT&T Wi-Fi. Keeps going a little bit in and out. I, I pay too much for uh, at and Wi-Fi to be doing me like this, Rob. It's not right. I got to tell you that.
0: Your mic is absolutely not working right now. You are talking through your – I can hear you. From, I can hear you. I'm just saying in terms of audio quality. Let me come back in. Oh, boy. All right. Stock down, Fish. So, 2021, that's what Kyle Shanahan said after the draft. He loved his natural ability to play the position, and he loved the speed. And I think that was the first part of the kind of luster, the shine going off of Trey Lance with the 49ers when they realized he's not as fast as we thought, which is weird because they have the tracking data. They know how fast these guys can run. So it's very weird to me that all of a sudden they don't realize that, that Trey Lance is, you know, not as fast as they thought. Like you have the actual data just, just, Look at it, compare it to how other people have run in the league and what their data says, and you should know how fast Trey Lance is, but that was the first part of it, I believe. They were like, oh crap, he's not as fast as we thought, so if we're going to run him, we got to run him up the middle, which they did a lot, as you know. That was the first part of it, but then I also think that he wasn't as natural at the position as they thought either. Remember, Tim Kawakami dropped a little nugget in his uh, one of his offseason prediction columns this year about how Trey Lance lined up in the wrong spot. And Kyle Juszczyk had to correct him on one of the plays in camp. And, you know, it was not a good look, obviously, for the third overall pick. I think that Trey was a little more raw than they thought. So you had those two forces in combination with the fact that, let's be real, his accuracy is variable to be generous. I mean, some days it's great. Some days it's not so great. Some throws it's great. Sometimes it's not. There's a fluctuation there play to play as Vish is back. Vish, just to catch you up real quick. I took everybody back to a sentence that Kyle Shanahan said after Trey Lance was drafted in 2021, the same day. And Kyle said he likes Trey's natural ability to play the position. And he likes the fact that he has the speed to wear. And this is a direct quote from Kyle. You're not going to turn him into a runner. But if you can get in certain formations where the defense knows you will run them, if they don't honor them, now everything's different. I think the first sign that the shine was off the rose with Trey was, one, he wasn't as fast as they thought. And two, he wasn't as natural at the position as they thought looking at the film.
1: Yeah, so uh, this is such a deep conversation. Um, I'm sad that I'm 12 minutes late to it here, but I'm glad we can get to it now. Yes. Um, Because I I feel like going through this time too specifically for me, um, when we're talking about this draft time as well, it's also a time where, you know, I'm starting to get into looking at these quarterbacks. So I'm reviewing kind of what did I think of these quarterbacks that came out in the last couple of years? How has their NFL career turned out? Um, and, you know, what are the improvements I need to make with my own process? Like, what did I get wrong about these people and all of that? And mm-hmm. we get to Trey Lance, and I'm going to include this not necessarily for anything other than a s- s- just to show my objectivity. I-, I didn't like Trey Lance before the draft. I thought the 49ers should have taken Mac Jones over Trey Lance. Justin Fields was my number one choice there for the for who I wanted the 49ers to take ultimately, obviously my opinion on that is quite irrelevant. I was ultimately <laughs> going to be okay with whoever Kyle Shanahan took. Cause I was just happy. It seemed like he finally got his quarterback. But when you go and look at that with Trey Lance, right? A lot of people, I feel like are doing the revisionist that everybody knew at the time, like everybody knew he was so raw and I was looking at my notes and stuff like that. And the reason he was such an enigma to me was because of sample size, right? Because what you actually saw when you saw him play, where you saw, look, the accuracy intermediate and down the field was quite inconsistent, but the processing was actually like pretty decent. And he played within structure, within his system. He made a lot of the right throws um, when they were presented to him. Now, their offense was a little bit simplified, not from the standpoint of the calls they had him made, right? Like the big thing before the draft was that he set the protection. They had different concepts where, you know, he would get to pick aside some NFL translatable things, just in the sense that a lot of the throws were play action, right? So they're schemed up, a lot of two options on the play, and you're really just reading it out. But even then... We saw a lot of examples of higher level processing and all of that, and so really, when you broke down his skill set in the one year, he did have the exact skills that you were looking for in a quarterback. Now, the issue and the reason I didn't like him as much is because when you give me 317 throws to be able to decide whether a guy is good or not, I have to put weight into every single one of those throws. So, if you give me that sample size all the good while it's there, it exists. I don't know if it's something he can do consistently because there's also bad that exists and the sample is not enough for me to decide whether he can be consistent about it. And I think that's really where the 49ers kind of fell into the trap because they bought into all the good. And then when they bought into all the good and they finally moved up to three and they got to meet the guy, they were like, okay, all the good is there. And now the guy is out of this world. And then You know, you come here and you find out maybe he's a little raw in the pass game than we thought. Maybe he's not as fast as we thought, which they kind of admitted to Albert Breer. And I think where the raw in the pass game matters is because they they're using his running to kind of at least in the little we've seen him the four games. It's clear that they're using his running as a means to give him an advantage in the pass game. They feel like by running him by using his running, it gives them an advantage in a run game, which also simplifies the number of times he has to throw the ball. Well, when they're using him in the run game, they have to use him more as an interior runner because he's not as fast as they thought. And then he's not as good as a passer, they thought. So they probably have to run him a couple more times than they would like to. And that's where it leads us to where we are. But damn, I'm so sick of people writing him off, man. It's been four games. In two years, four games can't have us do a complete 180 flip on the guy where we see all these traits coming out of college and then we just write him off, you know, because he got injured.
0: Right. It's a little crazy to me. And on that note of you talking about the processing and them falling in love with the guy in the interview process, I just came across this on Twitter, I think, last week. It was something that was unearthed uh, from Underdog Fantasy. It was Adam Schefter with Underdog Fantasy. I accidentally pulled it up on the screen too soon uh, earlier. But take a listen to what Schefter said. This was in May of 2021, right after the draft. Here is Adam Schefter, and I hope this audio works.
1: Here, here, here's the other ironic
0: part. And it's not working. Uh, is
1: they it? believe that it's Trey supposed Lance to work is closer Damn. to playing this season than Mac Jones was. Like My a lot bad. of people thought All oh, right. Mac well, Jones here's what Adam Schefter right said.
0: Actually, I really thought that was gonna work. Um, what he said was the 49ers thought Trey Lance was the smartest quarterback in the draft. They thought his processing was the best. They thought
1: you added the audio and there i go yeah
0: so i apologize i didn't work as well as i wanted it to but Schefter said on the underdog stream that clip i had of him was that the 49ers thought trey lance was the smartest quarterback in the draft they thought his processing was off the charts and they thought he was the most pro ready out of any of the quarterbacks trevor lawrence maybe they excluded trevor lawrence because they assumed he couldn't they couldn't get him but out of any of the quarterbacks that were left, they thought Trey was the most ready to go right out of the gate. And so I really think they thought he was going to come in and beat out Jimmy Garoppolo and take the job. And when that didn't happen and there were a couple of hiccups, I think they got real scared real fast, Fish.
1: Yeah, and I think that pro ready. I I think we have to add some detail to it to Rob because a lot of people are going to be like, how did they jump to that conclusion? Well, there's a lot more that goes into pro readiness than just you know the guy is consistently capable of throwing the football accurately. Like right? it has to do with your lifestyle. Are you ready to be a professional in terms of your lifestyle? Are you ready to be a professional in terms of being able to um, consume the NFL playbook, learn it quickly? Like what is your capacity to learn it quickly and all of that? And I think. Those are the areas where they ultimately felt like Trey Lance was ahead of perhaps Justin Fields and Mac Jones. It's not necessarily on the field because there is a level of rawness when you're talking about 317 throws and you're talking about 600 throws since his freshman year of high school. Like, that's a scary level of rawness. But I felt like they thought the maturity was just out of this world, Rob. Um, They thought the guy was going to be an absolute professional. And then again, the smartest quarterback comment, that means a lot when you're talking about, well, is he going to be able to come in and consume and how quickly is he going to consume the NFL playbook? And in a lot of ways, Rob, that played out, right? The first part of camp, the first rookie mini camps, all we were hearing was Trey Lance is exceptional. Trey Lance, this, Trey Lance, that all to a point that it culminated in him getting starter reps in the joint practices versus the Chargers. right? When Jimmy Garoppolo came out, firing like he threw a bomb early in those practice everybody's like who's this Jimmy Garoppolo and then ultimately he reverted back to being Jim- Jimmy Garoppolo they did the entire thing where they had Garoppolo play a rot drive they put Trey Lance in and they said Garoppolo was coming back in the game Garoppolo never came back in the game but Trey Lance got a few reps <laughs> with the ones and then I guess maybe it didn't go right maybe they felt like they put too much on his plate but ever since then Rob that yep. moment I, I put a timeline of it on Twitter. There's just been an all kinds of weirdness on what's been happening, what's been being reported, what we're getting from camp, all these things. And that's why I, I hope to go to camp this year. I would like to see it myself. I'm Not that nobody does a bad job. Everybody does a fantastic job. But I would like to have be able to be there and form my opinion on it in person myself rather than having to keep relying on these secondhand, um, you know, Things that are said about what's going on there because it's getting difficult to follow. I mean, you look at the timeline from there to the two quarterback system to him scoring the first touchdown of the year in 21, to him then disappearing and then randomly coming in in that fourth and goal versus Green Bay. Yep. Then him playing the Arizona game, getting hurt. Then Shanahan saying that they were thinking of moving forward with him as the starter post that <laughs> Arizona game, right? Then you have Fred Warner coming out and saying that, you know, he wasn't very good, you know, giving us the reps we needed in practice. Um, I, I think this quote, in fact, it speaks volumes when you look at the quote that I'm going to refer to just in a second, which is the Jimmy Ward quote on Brock Purdy after his, um, in around December, he had a great quote that was eerily similar to this quote, but either way, the talk about him improving in practice, then he plays great in that second half after kind of a up and down first half versus Houston, where you think, okay, he's put it together. This was our Mahomes week 17 moment. That second half was like, okay, it's go time then we go into the season he's got this arm fatigue thing which now we know is true but maybe it was a little bit overblown because it's the normal fatigue of anybody doing any sort of activity rigorously um then you move to you know they they bring back Garoppolo his camp is I guess inconsistent that's what people say then they you know the Chicago game he's underwater for an entire quarter (laughs) having to throw the ball from behind And then bang to like two plays later against Seattle, he's hurt. And there you go. Here we are. Like, it's been such a weird timeline.
0: Yeah. And like you went through it kind of quickly there. There's a lot of stuff that we can dive into. Um, Like, just forget everything else. Go look at that Texans game, right? It was a little dicey in the first half. Niners are a way better team than the Texans were at that point in the year. And you said it. Like, the first half was not great. Second half, he came on. And they went right back to an injured Jimmy Garoppolo, like a very injured Jimmy Garoppolo. They went back to him. They stuck with him in the playoffs when he was very injured, when he was terrible in the playoffs. I think what happened was they thought they were getting a pro ready quarterback that could do everything and, and was fast that could run around the edge. And when they didn't get that and Kyle saw some of the inaccuracies and saw maybe, you know, okay, some of the things, some of the bad throws he might have seen on the NDSU tape actually happen more frequently than maybe he thought they were going to happen. I think Kyle got scared. I think Kyle was like, oh, no, because Kyle tends to go right to the worst case scenario. I think he thought this kid's going to get overwhelmed. He's going to be inaccurate. He's going to miss all the open guys I get for him. And we're going to blow this Super Bowl window up. I can't do it. Forget it. At least I'll go with Jimmy. I know what Jimmy is. I can work around that. I think Kyle got scared.
1: I, yeah, I I think scared. I don't know if scared is necessarily the, I, I, I don't know if, like, I understand what you're saying. I don't know if scared is actually the exact way to describe it, but maybe it was like an OCD kind of freak out moment that, like, hey, I'm not 100% sure of where the ball is going to go every time this guy Mm -hmm. throws it. So I got to protect him a little bit in the past game. And we've seen, you know, Shanahan micromanage that aspect of his quarterback. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo throws an interception over the middle of the field. Hey, Jimmy Garoppolo stats post-interception. Let's go look at the throws he makes post-interception. Bubble, tunnel screen. Yep. Running back screen. Safe, safe, safe. Play action RPO. Backside slant on an RPO bang the Niners are down the field they score a touchdown wow Jimmy Garoppolo (laughs) bounced back but he's really micromanaging every throw the quarterback makes and kind of just getting winning the game with his run game his skill players his offense and I think there is a little bit of an element to that when you're talking about Lance's development like like this idea Rob everybody says just go out and let him play right let him play let him be Josh Allen his first two years where he's kind of running around he's still getting a feel on how to play in structure And then when he puts it together in structure, it looks great, right? But I don't think that's who the 49ers envisioned that they were getting, Rob. And I think that's really, really important when we're talking about the development arc of Trey Lance. The 49ers didn't envision that they were drafting a quarterback at three who was so raw the way Josh Allen was in Wyoming. And and there's a massive difference between these two players. I hate the comparison in general. I've talked about how much I hate the comparison But I I will take it a step further where I hate the comparison to the point because when you watch Josh Allen in Wyoming, right, the structure was bad. They played in a lot of bad weather. Um, Their offensive line was terrible. They couldn't block or protect or do anything of that sort. And the receivers were awful his last year. What did that turn into? Well, Josh Allen, his senior year at Wyoming, was him running around every single play. And every (laughs) single play was either the greatest play I've ever seen because he's so big, so physically imposing, and he – fits a ball through, you know, the smallest hole in the crazy, in the smallest window ever, or it's, oh my God, he, how did he miss that thrower? Why is he bailing out of this pocket or what's going on? Now you juxtapose that to Trey Lance. NDSU has a great system. They have great structure. They have great yeah. talent relative to their competition. Oh, and yeah. Trey Lance was terrific playing within their system. It was everything schemed up. There was not a lot of running around. He played within the offense. He played under control. And so when you compare and contrast that, the reason that's really important, Rob, is because they envisioned a quarterback who they would be able to fit in that exact mold right away, where he would come in, he would grasp their offense, and he showed the ability to play within an offense in college, and that's what he would do in the NFL, and he would give them this running element. Now, that's where I think the evaluation gets a little bit tricky, because they formed that off of 600 throws since high school. So I didn't think they thought, while there would be growing pains, I didn't think they would think that... They would have to completely, you know, start from beginning and have him play like, you know, wild Josh Allen first two years football, just so he can get enough reps to, for him to ultimately then get comfortable playing within a system, playing within structure, making throws on time, making the correct decisions, and that's where I, I think Rob, I, I I wouldn't call it a misevaluation because something like this is very hard to evaluate in general you are hoping that you're correct about it when you're drafting a player, right? Because you can never account for how much are they going to grow, um, what's going to really happen once they get into the NFL. They have to make a complete lifestyle adjustment from going to college. I'm going through that transition right now, Rob, and I'm not a professional athlete. I know how difficult it is to make that life life change adjustment. So I'm sure you'd amplify that magnitude 100 probably for somebody like Trey Lance. And that's where, Rob, I, I feel like This conversation is way more nuanced than where we're getting with it right now, because I I think that the 49ers may be expected to have him be a different quarterback. And that's where when you put the Adam Schefter quote to me now, it, it resonates with me from that standpoint, because he was an enigma in college because as raw as he was from attempts, he seemingly was further along then you know even the Jalen Hurts I I remember watching Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma I thought there was zero chance Jalen Hurts would ever be the player he is today I'm so wrong on Jalen Hurts but coming out of college in terms of playing the quarterback position from managing the pocket from playing on time to seeing things on in structure and all of that Trey Lance was ahead of Jalen Hurts Rob there's no doubt about it so like you're asking them to have the same development track but Rob, that's not who they drafted. They didn't draft Jalen Hurts. That's at least not who they thought they drafted.
0: But this is the weird thing to me, Vish. Trey Lance hasn't played enough to show whether he's a different player than the 49ers drafted. And you can say, well, they've seen him in practice, whatever, but he didn't get that many first-team reps in practice. And so I just feel like, you know, I don't even know that anybody can make a conclusion one way or the other. And for all these people that say, well, the 49ers know what they have, they know him better than anybody. They no, they don't no, know I what don't they have. They because if they did, they wouldn't have kept Jimmy Garoppolo. They would have gone right to Brock Purdy because Brock was better than Jimmy. So again, like I don't, you know, we're we're making some assumptions about, well, did the 49ers think they were getting a different player? Did he disappoint the 49ers in some way? I don't even know that he's done enough to to I don't even think he's had enough time to disappoint them if that makes sense
1: no I agree I agree and I I think that's the resounding point right we're four games into this there's not a lot that should have changed really in two years and I feel like he's not done anything to change but in terms of the rawness Rob they 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 would have a great idea of what he's comfortable doing and executing consistently and what he's not at this point point. and I I think they would? that that's I I mean, Rob, he's calling the plays, Rob. He's got to have a feel for what his quarterback can do if he's calling the plays. And the way he called the plays, not that the concepts were so different because it really wasn't, but the fact that he used in so many situations that were kind of neutral, neutral pass, neutral whatever, he used the run game. And again, we're talking about four games, Rob. Can we really say that he was going to use the run game? We have no clue. And we have no clue if Trey Lance was that guy week one, what he would have been week five. Because what if he's just, you know, just Mr. I absorb everything, I grow in every single way. And two games after, he's a completely different quarterback than he was two games ago. Definitely a possibility. I'm not ruling it out at all. Let's see him play before we decide any of those things. But I do, right. think, I do think there's an element, Rob, when we see some of the reporting And we see some of the ways that people have been talking about him who are, you know, you know, I know people like to think the 49ers don't leak, but there's a lot of people connected to the 49ers (laughs) who have, you know, given us a lot of great information over the time. And so that's where Rob, I I think it's so complicated to get into this discussion because I agree with you. We can't necessarily write him off. It's not fair to do that. Definitely you and I can't just from the sample size we've seen, but there's also something missing That's gotten us here in two years where it feels like the entire in four games, like an entire public perception in a lot of ways has changed. And even the way the Niners talk about him, Rob, it it doesn't feel like they were. I mean, their end of the year presser seemed like we're hoping we still believe in him. We're confident. But it didn't seem like, hey, yeah, Trey Lance is coming back. He's the guy. Just wait. We we knew what he was going to do this year. But
0: that's why. I am very interested to see what John Lynch says when he speaks to the media tomorrow at 11 a.m. Pacific time. Does he give an update on Brock Purdy? Does he give an update on Trey Lance? What if he comes out and he's super positive about Trey Lance? We love Trey Lance all the way, and we feel 100% confident that he's going to be healthy and he's going to lead us. I'm fascinated to see what he says because, you know, Lynch, He'll always give you that one comment right. where you're like stunned by his honesty. Right. You're like, whoa! Wait a minute. Did he really mean to say that? I think we're going to find out a lot about where things stand with both people. And I said before you hopped on that Lance went from the future of the franchise to a last resort in the span of two seasons. Do you think that's fair? No.
1: I I still don't no, think sorry. he's the last resort.
0: I mean, do you think that's an accurate description?
1: No, I I don't believe it to be that because if he's the last resort, you're telling me you 100% know what you have in Brock Purdy, and if you're telling me you 100% know what you have in Brock Purdy based on seven games, you're lying. You're they, lying. I think,
0: I think they think they know. I agree with you. Rob, I think they know, or they think Rob, they know.
1: You you can be positive. You can have a lot of you know. There's a he was excellent in those seven games. There's no disputing it, especially then when you throw in the context of where he was drafted, his story, you put it all together. Yeah. What he did in seven games was in a way historic. It was phenomenal. He fell out of heaven in a lot of ways for the 49ers. He saved their season. He saved their season. They they didn't think he was going to be he this. Saved,
0: he saved them a hell of a lot more than Jimmy Garoppolo did.
1: Oh, 100%. 100%. And And so you have to feel very, very happy with what you have. But now he's injured. You don't know what he's gonna come back from his injury. I I don't think you can be sure, Rob. How can you be sure? It's like we do this with quarterbacks too much. We're sure after eight games. We're sure after six games. We're sure after two one year. Damn, you know how hard it is to start. You know, and this is where I push back, and I have said this on this show multiple times. But I push back when you tell me Kirk Cousins is a terrible quarterback. You know how hard it is
0: whoa, to start whoa. for one he's franchise. He's terrible.
1: Not you. I'm talking about. I'm talking about you, meaning the fans out gotcha. there how gotcha. hard it is to start for a franchise year in and year out maintain a 95 96 97 near 100 passer rating like I know all the stats they don't mean anything they don't do this whatever how many quarterbacks are starting eight years in a row and doing that Rob it's not easy it's not easy Rob it's not easy to consistently start and we don't know if Brock Purdy can be that all he's shown to us through seven games is that he's got a good chance at it but we'll find out, and that's where I, I don't understand why you can res- write off Trey Lance as the rat- last resort. We know more about Purdy than we do about Lance, but we don't know enough Purdy to say that Lance is the last resort. We Lance could have a great offseason. In fact, if you're a 49ers fan, you should be hoping that Lance has the greatest offseason ever because if he has an all-time great offseason, it is the best-case scenario for the 49ers
0: by far. Right, but how is that supposed to happen, Vish? How is that magically supposed to happen? The guy that has barely played has barely played again is coming off a major injury. How is he magically going to improve? You have to play in order to improve.
1: No, you're you're right about that, and that's where that's where this gets even trickier, right? Do we really know is 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 the improvement only going to come from play? Oh, there's the
0: man john chapman checking in what up john from the 49ers rush podcast appreciate the super chat and the view Yeah. sorry i didn't mean to interrupt i just got excited
1: no no yeah that john chapman deserves to interrupt there you go yeah all right so just so we're clear there but um yeah, Rob, and I think that latter point is where is where it gets so tricky and that's where all of us are kind of grasping for straws. And I can answer your question, I can make up some sort of BS, but the correct <laughs> answer to your question is I simply don't know. And that's why I use the word hope cuz really you hope whatever needs to go right goes right, but ultimately Rob, I I feel like we do so we put invest so much into this quarterback needs to be developed this way. If this happens because it worked for this quarterback, it worked. But really, all of them are unique. Um, We talked about this last time I was on the show, right? It's something elite about these special quarterbacks. It's not that they all have the exact same skill set or the exact same prototype. Like, Joe Burrow plays the game, you know, in a different way from Patrick Mahomes. Now, they're both elite quarterbacks. They both have things elite about their game. But the way they are elite is a slightly different, and that's why I believe for quarterback development too, right? Some guys, Rob, need to be started right away, and they grow from starting, and they become great players. And they don't the battle scars help them grow. Some guys you need to protect them, like Zach Wilson. They said they they felt like they needed to protect him. He lost <laughs> all his confidence starting, and maybe he needed to be set. I don't know. Maybe it would have never worked out. I don't know. But I'm I'm saying that. It's unique to each one of these individuals. I hope they find whatever they need for Trey Lance. Because, man, Rob, if he kills it this offseason, are you kidding? It would be the best thing ever.
0: Yes, it absolutely would be. And I think, Trey, and again, this is everything you say about Trey Lance comes with the caveat of small sample size. But from what I have seen, every time he plays, the longer he plays, the better he gets. Better second half against Houston, right? His second start. Started off in the first half, not so good. Got better in the second half. There were multiple uh, throws. Ben Solak did a, uh, a little film breakdown of, I think it was Lance's first start. Showed in the first half. He's missing open guys. His feet aren't set, ready to throw. JT O'Sullivan did the same thing, by the way, the QB right. school. And then you see in the second half, same play, same formation against the same defense. He fixes the problem. He corrects it. I am hoping that... It's just a matter of literally him getting to play. He hasn't started back-to-back games since 2019. Started and finished, I should say, back-to-back games because he did start week one, week two, but he got hurt early. He hasn't started and finished consecutive games since 2019. I just think that the longer he plays, he will improve, and I hope that is the case because, like you said, if it is, if if, if that is how he develops then the Niners are in the driver's seat in the NFC for a long right. time because Trey Lance is still, you know, younger than some of the quarterbacks right. in this draft class.
1: Right. Yeah. And man, I, I, I thought Breer, I thought Breer's article in a lot of ways was also a little bit scary because it felt like his kind of last point And, and this, I think ties all of this discussion together, but his kind of last point to me read like, the 49ers are just hoping that he comes back from this offseason. And he whatever Jalen Hurts did to get his throwing to be more consistent and to be as efficient as possible playing the position from a decision-making standpoint, but also a throwing standpoint. They're hoping that magically happens for Trey Lance too. And that's where that's where, Rob, when we talk about all of this, we're talking about the hope it feels a little bit scary to me because it also feels like then the 49ers are also just hoping the same exact way we're hoping. They're hoping hoping, too that he just shows up and and it's like, what's the plan? You drafted this guy third overall. The plan couldn't have changed much just because he got hurt, right? Like whatever your plan to develop him was, was it just playing him, Rob? Then why did he have to sit year one?
0: (laughs) So That's what I mean. None of this makes sense. It's really weird, but also – Doesn't it feel like you said, oh, the 49ers are just hoping Trey Lance gets better. It's almost like they're expecting him to develop separate and apart from them without helping him. Like you are supposed, what is your plan to help him get better? Don't just sit there and say, well, you better have improved. Like, I, I feel like that Kyle is not, he just expects Trey to improve on his own, whereas they should be helping him they should have a plan they should have a program whether it's footwork or throwing or whatever the case may be he doesn't develop independent of you he develops with you
1: yeah and that's where we got to then revert back to two years ago because shanahan was very very he shanahan when he's angry is incredibly honest but he also gives you a few tidbits (laughs) of insight that if you really know how to read into it right like my my favorite example, right, is he's angry. Someone asked him a question, and he talks about Drew Brees and Lamar Jackson, right? And everybody <laughs> took the combination of Drew Brees and Lamar Jackson. That's Justin Fields. That's Trey Lance. Whichever quarterback they like, they're like, that guy has that skill set. So guess what? That skill set doesn't exist. Yeah, True reason the Lamar Jackson having a baby is the greatest quarterback in NFL history. <laughs> right. It's not close.
0: The fastest quarterback and the he most was, accurate right.
1: quarterback. <laughs> His point when he said that was, hey, I'm talking about in an ideal world, it's just about having a guy with a skill set of eliteness. It doesn't matter because remember, people were trying to pigeonhole him where he just wants a quarterback with this skill set. He just wanted right. a quarterback with this skill set. His point was, I just want a damn good quarterback. It doesn't matter what his skill set is. I just want one of the good ones. And so when we go to there, he talked about this exact thing, actually, Rob, with quarterbacks, because so much of the season, right, becomes, well, we got to learn the offense. We got to have the quarterback playing with his timing, getting his timing right within the offense. They don't do a lot of the personal work in terms of, working on your throwing, working on throwing the football more consistently, working on your mechanics, that stuff doesn't happen with the team. That stuff happens away, right? That's why these guys all have their personal QB coaches. And he talked right. about that. And in fact, Rob, I thought one of their frustrations that I was kind of able to glean when he talked about this about Jimmy Garoppolo was his lack of movement during the off season. It felt like Garoppolo <laughs> took the off seasons to kind of decompress, go back to Chicago, spend some time with family, maybe throw, get back to throwing the ball and getting consistent a little bit. I mean, a lot of people put a lot of stock into throwing over the offseason. I remember Big Ben used to finish the season and he wouldn't oh. throw the football until the start of training camp. Like oh, that's yeah, where it would just... be, and he's one of the greatest throwers in NFL history. But um, that's where I, I think one of their frustrations was that. And I've, I I thought like when when they talk about Trey Lance and they differentiate the two of them with Garoppolo. If you notice, look, Shanahan always uses the description about his throwing and mechanically. Garoppolo is as refined a thrower when it comes to creating torque and rotation with your upper body man- mechanics as anybody we've ever seen. It's like so smooth, so natural. It's all one motion. Like, it's it's really, really pretty. And that's all Shanahan talks about. Well, with Lance, he talked about how hard he works, how smart he is, you know, what he does in the offseason, stuff like that. And I, I I thought all of those were kind of him saying the indictment on either player is a compliment to the other one. And and that's how I read into it in some ways. And maybe I was wrong for reading into it, but I do think a lot of that work does have to happen away from the nf away from the team. But where I, I kind of am confused too, Rob, is it feels like Trey Lance has put in that work. It feels like nobody in the off season is throwing the football more than Trey Lance over the last two seasons. Every day we were getting videos of him throwing the football. And so Yeah, that's where I'm confused, Rob. I'm confused. I don't know what to
0: say. Kyle has talked a lot about, you know, how mechanical adjustments and things like that. He has literally said, it's on you to work with your personal quarterback coach. Like, we don't have time to teach you that stuff once camp starts and all of that. But at the same time, like, I've seen Tom Brady go to the wrong house looking for Byron Leftwich when he signed with Tampa Bay. Like, don't tell me, that there's not stuff that these guys are doing behind the scenes with their teams. Cause I'm sure that there is, they all have each other's number. It's not like the NFL is monitoring Trey Lance's text messages. Like I'm sure that they can reach out and connect with people if they want to, but it, it just seems very weird to me that the 49ers sometimes it, they act as if Trey Lance is like independent of them and then if he somehow magically turns into what they were hoping for then okay yeah we'll play you but they don't want to do anything to make sure that that happens
1: I disagree with you there though they did do something right last two off seasons he's been working out in SoCal with John Beck his quarterback coach at the start of the draft process when he took the year off from NDSU was Quincy Avery then during the draft process right they had him work with John Beck to get a better look at him. And that's when people were starting to say, well, it might not just be Mac Jones. It might be a Mac Jones, Trey Lance conversation. But they didn't
0: do that for Trey. They did that for themselves to evaluate but, but, Trey. But
1: the next off season two, he worked out in SoCal, right? I'm assuming he worked out with a group again in SoCal. Cause that's where Tom house and John Beck and those guys work out their quarterbacks. I'm sure that my guess is that he once again worked out with somebody that was going to be favorable to Shanahan, right? Because John Beck, as we know, is Shanahan's guy. Shanahan drafted him. Shanahan loves him as a quarterback. Um, He knows the Shanahan system exactly the way it's supposed to be played. He worked with Matt Ryan the year he made the MVP jump. He's worked with Garoppolo. He's worked with all of those quarterbacks. In fact, he's Zach Wilson's personal quarterback coach to the point that I, I I still look at it as if Zach Wilson was available at three, that would have been Shanahan's guy. Thank God we didn't get there. But, um, <laughs> but that, that's my opinion on that. But uh, honestly, Rob, I do think they've done that. I look, I, you asked such great questions, but God damn, could you just ask them to Shanahan instead of me? I, I just don't know. I Somebody try. ask Shanahan these questions, man.
0: Here's one last thing that I want to say, and this is more a message to the 49ers press corps, because this is something that Levin brought up, and I I totally agree with him. Tim Kawakami in his offseason prediction column, one of his offseason predictions was that Trey Lance is going to have a great offseason. And he talks about in the column how when Trey first came in, he lined up in the wrong spot, and Kyle Juszczyk had to correct him. And Levin's point was, why are we just hearing about this now? We never heard about that when it first started. And it's like, like, what are you saving these things to kick somebody when they're down? So this is my my call to the 49ers press corps. Please, please just report what happens, good, bad, or otherwise. Don't save it. Don't sugarcoat it. Nothing. Whatever happens, tell us about it. Because I feel like we only get one narrative, and then it comes out later based on what happened when people feel safe or they feel like they want to, you know, get That's some cloud ers man. They come out and they say, Oh, well, we saw in camp that there was a little of this, or there was a little of that, or You're this right. happened all the time in camp. And it's like, well, where the hell were you during camp?
1: It, and it, 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 it's a frustrating thing across the board. Cause I feel like the 49ers control the narrative in general. And it, I, there's still one question with all of this that I'm still waiting for the answer for. And it is, in Trey Lance's first off season in 2021. I won't let this go. Cause to me, this is meaningful. The 49ers had the state of their franchise. What is the state of the franchise? It's literally for the fans. You're introducing the players yep. to the fans. They didn't feature the first round third overall pick <laughs> quarterback who they traded up three first round picks to. I know a lot of people, they traded two first round picks. Well, they used the third one. So it took a total of three first round picks to get Trey Lance. Lance. They didn't feature him in that state of franchise. And to me, I talked about it at the time with Grant. Nobody really cared about it. It was a non-story. Nobody asked about it. But to me, that was a giant question mark. How are you not featuring the guy that you just moved the sun and the earth? to as your? Yep. When you do that, you're saying he is our franchise. He is the future. He is the guy. How are you not featuring him in the state of the franchise? And to me, the weirdness of that, threading the needle of the Garoppolo situation, I, I summed up when I, when I put the timeline of all these events that happened, I was like, wow. To me, the greatest summation of this is with all this quarterback turmoil, all of these different moving parts between the two quarterbacks, this, all of this, the fact that they've been to two NFC championship games in a row is is a monumental achievement. But I, I think it's also in a lot of ways covered up some of the missteps in process, some of the desperate moves, kind of some of in general. I mean, heck, gosh, that trade it now looking back, whether it, it feels it feels like it was a little bit of a desperation move, regardless of what really happens. It felt like it was a reaction move to the Rams getting Stafford and Watson's yes. personal life falling apart.
0: Which, to be, credit, to be fair to Mike Florio, he said at the time that he thought that Shanahan kind of freaked out. I want to give Valerie a little love. Thank you very much, Valerie. Really appreciate that, and you are correct. Please hit that like button, hit that subscribe button on the YouTube page. I agree with you. And like the 49ers said, right, we traded up to a spot. We traded yeah. up to three because we, we knew we had to get a quarterback, right? Well, why'd you have to get a quarterback? Well, because Jimmy Garoppolo just peed down his leg the last time you saw him in the playoffs. Oh, and the Rams, geez. the big bad Rams went out and got Matt Stafford right out from under you when McVay and Shanahan were in Cabo at the same hotel. And all of a sudden, boom, Stafford goes to your division rival and you're like, we got to respond. I can't do this with Jimmy Garoppolo again. And then they trade up to three. And yeah, everybody knows the rest of that story. So I agree. It's just incredibly frustrating to be here. And I'm interested to see what John Lynch said. Does John Lynch go back to the health thing again with Lance tomorrow? Does he say no. he's got I I don't think he does either. No. Cause, cause I think
1: he's aware. The one thing about John Lynch, when I notice him talk to the media all the way is that he's acutely aware of every single narrative that's been, you know, perpetrated the reaction to certain narratives. And he's, in a lot of ways, he's not careful because he always says something that he probably shouldn't say. But in a lot of ways, he's also very, very selective. Like John Lynch is, to me, a little bit more um, engaging than your average football coach or GM because I think he has command and control of the English language a little bit better than his contemporaries and peers. And so he's very selective with his word choice. And sometimes he pauses Right before he says a specific word, and sometimes that word has a lot of meaning. So I do think he will not—he won't go out of his way not to mention that injury. And I think he'll go out of his way to compliment and be very, very complimentary of where they are with Trey Lance because their offseason now rests solely on his shoulders. And Rob, the last thing I want to do—or before you know—I don't know if you wanted to move on to a different topic. I, I wanted to go back to that comment. Right? You said they traded up for a spot. I—I I don't think enough focus has been put into that process nobody in the history of the nfl has ever (laughs) traded up for a spot you trade up for players right Mm -hmm. you you talk about the patrick mahomes trade. they traded up for no they didn't trade up so that they could be at 10 and if somebody took patrick mahomes at nine they were just going to take whatever quarterback is left because they just wanted a quarterback they traded up because they wanted to get patrick freaking mahomes right one person it's yeah. a
0: draft. You take players. You don't take spots. So you always trade up for a player. And yet the 49ers claim they, did, they didn't do that, that they traded up for the spot of three. It's like from the beginning, they never fully embraced Trey. I always feel like there's been some sort of separation there. And like you talked about, he wasn't part of the state of the franchise. He, They didn't specifically target him and say, we got to go get Trey Lance. They said, we got to move up to three and then, they landed we'll at
1: Trey Lance. They landed right. at Trey Lance. But I, I, I do push back on the idea that they didn't fully embrace him. I, I think when you do, no matter how you made the move, and the process was unique. It was I call it revolutionary because we've never seen process like this. And if it ends up working with Trey Lance, heck, we might see other teams try to replicate it. But other teams don't necessarily have Shanahan and haven't put together the kind of team that the 49ers have put together. But I, I do I do think that they embrace him. I think the issue, Rob, for them is that they were always managing a very finicky situation because they had a different evaluation of where they were from their football team. The football team felt that in 2020, the only reason they didn't repeat as NFC champions is because of injuries. Injuries. The 49ers felt this quarterback situation is a real issue. We got to pay players. We don't think Garoppolo is the future. Let's go get a quarterback. And that disconnect to me has driven all of these different things that have happened that, you know, a lot of people don't want to say it's, well, there's nothing wrong with the locker room or the locker room hates a guy, whatever. No, it's not like that. But it's drawn in a lot of ways, even with a group of people like the 49ers, who I don't think are naturally trying to be decisive or trying to hate on anyone or like that. But when you do bring in a quarterback with that much cachet, but then you try to keep the other one and you try to head the line right down the middle, even though you have so much investment into the other one. So you have a clear bias in one direction when you try to tread the line right down the middle and Bree is fair and even handed as possible. This is the perception that comes across. And that's where I I do wonder, you know, because again, reaching the NFC championships over the last two years is an achievement. It's a monumental achievement. When you look at what's happened with the quarterback situation and all of that, but I do wonder from a assurance standpoint of if we sat here in 2023, would we feel differently about the quarterback situation or would we feel differently? Would they have made two different NFC championships games? I don't know, but I do think, from, like, a drama and, like, a total, like, dramatic, like, this doesn't necessarily make sense standpoint of confusion, I do think it would have looked different if they just cut losses with Garoppolo the moment they decided we're not moving in that direction long-term anymore.
0: But that's what I mean. You said they – when have they embraced Trey Lance? Give me the example because it wasn't after they drafted him, like you said, because they they didn't make him part of the state of the franchise. They said it might be a quarterback competition, but Kyle said it would be really tough. When but then it was
1: a quarterback competition, right? Right. He got starter reps. Yeah.
0: But When did they ever fully embrace him? W- Even last year was supposed to be his year, right? He yeah. was going to be the guy. They were done with Jimmy Garoppolo. And instead, they didn't cut Jimmy Garoppolo. They tied one hand behind their back in free agency because they could have signed more players. They would have had more money if they had cut Jimmy. They kept him. They said, oh, well, we want to trade him. We're not going to give him up. We're not going to give him up. Then they started working him out with practice, and then they brought him back. The year that was supposed to be Trey Lance's year, they always had an escape plan. They, oh, Like I said, you don't pack a parachute unless you feel like you might have to jump out of the plane. So they've yeah. never fully embraced him. They've never cleared the deck for him. And now, of course, it's not going to be clear this year because Brock is on the roster, although, to be fair to them, that they had no idea what Brock was going to be. But they've right. never fully embraced Trey Lance, ever. And I will go to my grave saying that. Shoot. When you go there,
1: it it brings up another point of what you brought up, right? Like this tidbit that just comes out randomly three weeks later. Like we knew that they met with a leadership group to tell them this is Trey Lance's team, whatever. And then Jay Glazer randomly before one Sunday I think Jimmy Garoppolo was already starting at that point said that like they told them like hey it's gonna be up and down it's gonna be rocky no matter what we need you to constantly be showing outward and support for Trey Lance so the fact that they took that step and told 15 different adult men that you got to do this for one guy to me they were reading the writing on the wall. They knew what the tea leaves were. They knew how it would look. Now, the nice thing for them is that they can control perception so strong because the 49ers can tell you 2 plus 2 equals 5, and 98% of their fans and media will tell you 2 plus 2 equals 5. And if you say 2 plus 2 equals four, <laughs> oh God. Oh, God. Like, Rob, is was that second surgery? Was, was that all good and dandy for Trey Lance?
0: No, turns out it was what contributed to quote the toughest year of Trey Lance's life, which is why, like we all talk about Trey Lance having to have this big off season, right? This great off season to come in and take the job away from Brock. The second surgery is huge because it delays all that development. He's just starting this week to take drops fish. He hadn't taken any drops because of that. And so how is, again, how is that development supposed to occur if you're not actually playing football? So that second surgery was huge, huge.
1: And, and Rob, it's great that you bring that up, right? Cause if we're to- talking about a long-term outlook, I don't like, I like the long-term outlook actually of both players in completely different ways, right? Like I still like Trey Lance's potential, even though not a lot has changed in two years. We just went over everything in two years. It's been four games. Gosh, and then how can you not like Brock Purdy in seven games? But when you throw in the two injuries that these guys are rehabbing from and all of that, and I've said this a couple of times, and I don't, I know people don't like it, it's, it's not negative to me. It's actually just honest. If you asked me, Rob, and you said, damn, which one of these two guys is going to be the 49ers' long-term answer at quarterback, and you asked me to play the odds, Rob, logically, I would pick neither. Like, just in terms of logic, like in terms of laying it out, like, shoot, you're talking about the guy who played well for seven games but is coming off a serious, serious – elbow injury that he hasn't gotten surgery for. And we're still not hundred percent sure what surgery he's right. Getting. We're confident of a surgery he's getting, but that could, there I'm could not. be an audible called that could, you know, not make, make him completely unavailable for 2023 and then unavailable, excuse me. And then you're talking about Trey Lance, who's got all this pressure now to be the starter, but he's also rehabbing from a serious injury. And I say this, I've said this multiple times where we take you know coming back for injury so granted with Mm -hmm. so for granted with these athletes it's superhuman for them to return to where they are in the timeline that they do and it's no guarantee that they do as much as you know they might be medically cured because there's a physical and mental recovery that goes into recovering from an injury and they not only have to recover to be able to participate in everyday life they have to recover to being the top one percent athlete in the entire world (laughs) and so like it's it's a big stretch for them and that's where like rob i i i feel like It's unfair in some ways to have these expectations on him or even Brock coming into these offseason because both guys have things that they need to handle first for themselves before they're ready to get in the process of improving and working on their game. And that's where, like, shoot, if you ask me to pick, like, two, like, five years from now, one of these two as the guy, I I would probably pick neither, Rob. But I I still – it's not that I don't think either has a chance. I think both have a chance. But if you're asking me what are the odds, Rob, gosh –
0: The 49ers have two quarterbacks. One is a quarterback with an average arm at best coming off a major elbow injury, and the other is a mobile quarterback coming off a major ankle injury. That's not an ideal situation. Um, I will say this, and I'm talking to you, Sage Rosenfels, and others. (laughs) Sage is the first one. Can we stop with this Brock Purdy, Drew Brees narrative? Brock Purdy is not Drew Brees. He's not just because they're short white dudes who don't have the strongest arm. Doesn't mean you can equate them. Okay. Drew Brees was the second round pick who went to Purdue, who was a Maxwell award winner in college. Right. Brock Purdy got benched at Iowa state. Okay. Like these are not the same people. They're not right. in the same stratosphere. Drew Brees is one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. He's got the second most career passing yards of anybody that's ever thrown a football. He's got the second most career touchdowns of anybody that's ever thrown a football. That's not Brock Purdy. And that's not who Brock Purdy is going to become, by the way. Can we stop with that?
1: Thank you for bringing that up. I, I think it's not, and it's not even an indictment on Purdy in any right. type of way. He's forming his own career shoot through seven games. Like you should be very, very happy where Brock Purdy is because he looked excellent for seven games. No doubt about it. You can't disagree with that one bit, but I hate this Rob. Rob, I feel like we do this all the time right a quarterback has poise and is tall and is accurate we say he's Brady and I I think it's disrespectful to Brady and Breeze because we constantly then diminish what makes their skill set special as if like anybody could become Brady or Breeze like there's not something special about them we don't say every strong arm quarterback actually sometimes we do if a quarterback throws off platform we do say Mahomes and that's Completely wrong too. But I'm I, we don't just say every strong AM quarterback is Josh Allen or Mahomes, right? We we agree there's some nuance to how strong their arms truly are and how gifted they truly are. And in in a similar way, I think Breeze was truly a one-of-one gifted player when you look at how good he was mechanically, how accurate he was. Even in San Diego, um, you know, those teams were kind of a mess. Uh it was Ladanian Tomlinson, it was him. He had a couple of good years, he had a couple of bad years too. Rivers was obviously. A very good player as well but uh, man i i feel like it then diminishes you know drew Brees to say i i know what sage rosenfels means like his skill set in an ideal world he could become something like that but then it just i feel like it, it, it it's an insult to, in some ways to brock purdy and it's an insult to drew Brees and yeah i i'm with you rob i in fact i can we stop using historic comparisons for every yeah. player that shows any sort of potential like shoot I I hate it during draft time, especially like, gosh, a guy reminds you of some guy who was an average starter or something like that. Gosh, you hate on him. Well, his game just reminds me of him. That's all. Not everybody's Von Miller. Not everybody is Patrick Mahomes.
0: But like go back to the, since, since we're talking about Drew Brees, what did the chargers do? Right. They realized Drew Brees is not the guy we think he is. We draft Phillip Rivers. We let Drew Brees go in free agency. We didn't bring Drew Brees back again and have him looking over the shoulder. Once we decided, we moved on. And that's what the 49ers have never done with Trey Lance, and they're not going to be able to do it this year because especially if Brock is out, they're going to have to do something at the quarterback position. So it's just a very weird situation. I don't think the 40 I agree with what you said earlier. The fact that the team has been so successful despite this has totally obscured and made people overlook they messed this thing up they butchered this quarterback situation
1: oh no and yeah and gosh again like it's like how can you be so critical right of a team that's been to -to back-to-back nfc championship games and in a lot of ways again monumental achievement now when you throw in this context and you really realize it like even more bigger of an achievement but shoot, you can do so many things right and still be wrong. And the 49ers, I feel like they weren't wrong in drafting Trey Lance, but I feel like they were wrong in just how this process is kind of handled. I felt like there were a few things they could have controlled to not bring us here. Because we're talking, again, in two years, four games, how do we get here? How does four games get us here, Rob? I, four
0: games. There's no logical path where that can be the case. obi one forty nine. 49 Thank you for the super chat. We have limited info on Trey Lance and don't want to write him off. But thus far, he seems like a one read and run quarterback. I have PTSD from cap, not improving. Again, it's four starts. He probably is a one read and run quarterback. At this this point. is at No,
1: he's not. This is BS. This is BS. I, I thought Steve Young summed it up best. My best, disc- and I, it's what I thought about Trey Lance coming out of college in the sense that he realizes where to go with the ball. It's just, can he deliver the ball to there accurately? And that was my question with him in college now it hasn't necessarily been answered but he is not a one read and run quarterback i would say the one thing that's been added to the skill set that i guess wasn't there in college but again four game sample size maybe it won't exist in two more games in a six game sample size so i don't know if i would still say it but i'll say it for now is the hesitation like you'll see it he's right there why are you hesitating let it go and sometimes i think the hesitation is because He's not a hundred percent sure of where the ball is gonna go when he's throw it. Like I sense like a little bit of an underconfidence there. But again, now I'm getting really deep into trying to psychologically evaluate somebody when I'm watching the All-22 film and I'm just trying to zoom in on what he's feeling. It could just be he's just not sure yet on how fast that window is going to close. He thinks he has an extra half second to prep himself and throw it, and he doesn't. And again, that comes from getting more comfortable and used to the speed of the game, right? There's a massive jump from the FCS speed of the game to the NFL speed of the game for sure, Oh gosh, Rob, we've gone so deep into this and I still feel like I'm so confused, man.
0: We have no answers. And by the way, any progress that Trey might've made adjusting to the speed of the game could, maybe it's wiped out because it's been so long since he's played. Like he's got to make that adjustment all over again. It's, it's been a case of one step forward, two steps back with every 49ers quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, Brock Purdy. So we'll, we'll see. I'm interested. I want to start getting some answers. Uh, Hopefully we get some clarity, at least a little from John Lynch's comments at the combine, but also what they do this off season. What do they do with the quarterback position? Do they draft another quarterback with a late round pick? Do they go out and sign somebody? You know, we spend so much time breaking down what they say. I like to look at actions and what they actually do. And uh, we'll start to get some, but it's going to be a long, long process.
1: I think they're a little bit handicapped barring, you know, some sort of drastic all-in move today where they've got two guys that in different ways they've shown um, belief in, right? Trey Lance with the investment they have in terms of draft capital and where they drafted him. And then Brock Purdy in terms of way they talked about him this season and post during the season and how he played. So they have two guys in completely different ways that they have a level of investment and belief in. And it's a golden opportunity for you to find out with both of those guys. So it becomes complicated because you can bring in a young quarterback, right? But he's going to be a later round draft pick. Like everybody thinks, oh, you drafted Brock Purdy. You're going to get the next Brock Purdy with your late round pick. That's not how this works. Brock Purdy is in his own way an anomaly. Seventh round quarterbacks don't start seven games and do what Brock Purdy does. So there's a chance that whoever you draft in the fifth, sixth round, let's be honest, he might not make this football team there's great possibility you're going to have to bring in a veteran quarterback right but where you are with the cap the guy has to be cheap the guy also has to be cheap enough where he doesn't come in with a salary that would discredit Trey Lance or Brock Purdy's um, stronghold on the opportunity to start in any way but he also has to be good enough given the fact that you've played three quarterbacks two out of three years that he has to be capable of stepping on the field I don't know who threads that needle In fact, in fact, I don't think there's a guy that threads that needle. So they're going to have to settle for, you know, like a Nick Mullins, probably if they want to bring him back. No, no, I can't do that. that, But that's what that's that's kind of where they are. And and that's where, Rob, I feel like the way the quarterback position is set up. I've said this. This is the most uncertainty I've had about the quarterback position because both guys are hurt. It's not just about their potential or anything. It's both guys are hurt. This is the most uncertainty they've had coming into the quarterback position since Shanahan and Lynch took over. And all we've had since Shanahan and Lynch took over is NFC championships, which is fantastic, awesome, and quarterback questions. Those are the two constants, right? That's a good –
0: Sorry to interrupt. That's a good point by you. If your argument is going to be the 49ers are in a Super Bowl window and they got to win now, then your argument should be they can't start Trey or Brock because there's too much unknown there that they have to go get a veteran guy like an Aaron Rodgers. because if, if your argument is they have to win now, cause they're in a Super Bowl window, they don't have time to develop a guy. Then it's gotta be go out and get somebody because there is so much uncertainty on both players.
1: Shoot. That's where I thought. I thought Brady would be kind of their get out of jail yep. card this year. Cause I thought Brady also would be the only guy that you could get it, get in. That would be that good. Where you can feel like you can go win a super bowl right away, but also you might have a chance of getting him at a price that actually makes sense for the long-term interests of your football team. And that's where I thought he would have been there, get out of jail free card. I thought this offseason, the way everything went this season, this might have been the year Kyle would have been so frustrated that he might have plunged on it for a year and seen mm-hmm. what could have happened. Cause once you get that Super Bowl the kind of the pressure is off on both Brock and Trey, and you can really find out what you have. And financially, you're kind of in a stable position still, right? Because both guys will still remain cheap at that point. And so I I do think, Rob, in in a lot of ways, that would have been their get-out-of-jail-free card. Now that he's not there, I don't think there's one that really exists. They really just got to ride it. They got to hope both guys, not first, both guys get healthy. That's what they got to hope for first. And then second, they got to hope that one of those guys at least proves that they are the short-term answer. We think Brock has proved that, but now Brock has to reprove that now that he's going through complete elbow or some sort of elbow reconstruction in some way. We'll find out what it is. Hopefully very, very soon he gets the surgery. They said early March. So yeah. And then of course with Trey Lance, obviously it's about him showing it on the field or not showing it on the field, but we got to find out at some point. And so both of those guys have something to prove in completely different ways. Both of those guys have proven something in completely different ways, right? Trey Lance proved something to be the third pick in the draft. Brock Purdy showed a lot in seven games that was very impressive. But I, I think that's ultimately their situation now, Rob. I don't think that you can go necessarily a veteran route at this point because financially it just doesn't make sense. Financially, like it just.
0: We've gone super long, uh, but I do want to ask one question because I think that. Let me ask you this. If Brock Purdy wasn't the last pick in the draft, let's say Brock Purdy was a third round pick, fourth round pick, and his numbers were exactly the same. You changed nothing else about Brock Purdy. Would you say like, oh my God, he played amazing. Or would you say Brock Purdy was really solid when he was in there? Because I think that a lot of the, in the way where Trey Lance's throws and inaccuracy and bad plays are magnified because they traded so much to get him. And he's the third pick in the draft. I think the reverse can happen with Brock Purdy where people say any touchdown Brock Purdy throws is amazing because he was the last pick in the draft. and Nobody knew who the hell he was. I think that Brock's performance has a little bit of extra shine on it because he was the last pick in the draft because he saved the season after Trey and Jimmy went down. And because we've never seen a story like this in NFL history.
1: Right. and And there's also a little bit of Brock Purdy's kind of, moxie he's like yeah Yeah, there's there's that too that adds into this so I agree with that because you know while Trey Lance is very likable when he's speaking to the media and stuff he doesn't have this just you know it it's really big dick energy that's what Brock (laughs) Purdy has on the football field right he has massive big dick energy where he just exudes confidence he exudes poise he exudes command it's it's he does have something about him that's there he has a moxie and that can't be discredited. And maybe Trey Lance has it too. We just haven't had the opportunity to see it. We're I'd like to see. He's it. just wholly he expressing himself. Maybe he's been holding that part of him there. But maybe, maybe he, maybe he does have it. I don't want to say he doesn't. We don't. I, I'm not exactly 100 percent sure whether he does or doesn't, to be honest. But I know Brock Purdy has it. But Rob, if you're if you're asking this question to me individually, I I, I don't think so. I, I feel like I've been pretty. I don't know, you would maybe have a better description of this, but I think I've been pretty even keel for the most part. I I did think Brock Purdy was the best, played better than any quarterback has under Shanahan in that seven game stretch. And I would still argue that. But I'm still not fully there to be fully embracing this. And in fact, if you, I thought you originally, I thought you were going to ask me the question if he was a third round pick, would I be embracing him fully rather than if he's the seventh round pick that he is and i i would still say no i i'm sick of anointing quarterbacks after seven games rob i'm right. so sick of it i'm stopping doing it i'm not doing it anymore and and so but I, I if you're asking away from me and asking in the general perception yeah it does play into it i think it's a big part of it i think that not only the trade up rob the fact that who he was replacing was so polarizing in so many ways. And I feel like a lot of Jimmy Garoppolo being polarizing is because he plays for such a good football team and such a good coach. Like heck, if Jimmy Garoppolo was doing this, you know, in Tennessee, like Ryan Tannehill was now, I do think Tannehill is a more gifted player in some ways than Garoppolo, but I think people would be a little bit more unbothered by Jimmy Garoppolo's deficiencies. Cause he is one of 32, right? He's still one of the best 2025 ish starting quarterbacks In the league, like he is a league starter when he's healthy, but I do think it would be a little more under the radar. The fact that the 49ers are always in the thick of things, and you see that hey, the quarterback position, even though this guy is like fine, it's hurting them. That's where I think some of the vitriol has gone Jimmy Garoppolo's way from that standpoint. But I I do think when you throw in the fact that he was replacing someone who was polarizing because he was giving you this base level of play that is NFL starter worthy without a doubt, but there was leaving you something to be wanted. And then the fact that they had had all this success with him as well, and they hadn't had success with him healthy when you throw in all of that. And then the capital they did, because they moved. Everybody likes to say, Oh, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not that bad because it's your team. That's giving that stuff up. If (laughs) another team gave that stuff up, you would say it's a massive investment. So let's call it what it is. What they gave up for Trey Lance was a massive investment. When you throw all of that into it, I, I do think it plays into the perception. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Rob, I, I think I wouldn't even go to call that unfair. I think that's just life. Like, shoot, that's what happens when you put – when a team trades, heaven and earth for you. Now, it's also a compliment towards you. Like, a team wants you so bad, they're giving this much up and going up there and drafting you. So, it's a compliment to your skill set. But it's also, hey – the target's on you now. You're that guy. We identified you. That's it. You got to go do that.
0: Right, I'm not I'm not arguing fair or unfair. I just wonder if it's possible for any of us to objectively break down Brock and Trey because of all this other stuff that we just mentioned that goes along with it. That's part of the reason why I wanted Michelle to be part of the network because she wasn't in the 49ers bubble. She doesn't have the attachment to those first round picks that we do. She doesn't, you know, fall in love with the Brock Purdy story the way we do. I don't know that any of us can accurately look at it because there is all this stuff that you just can't separate from it.
1: I will say this though, Rob, I feel like he's playing with house money now. Now he's playing with house money. Trey, now I feel like Trey Lance. Now I feel like the pressure, those expectations, they're all kind of washed away. Again, you and I spent the entire show talking about why they're washed away. We're still not sure. Four mm-hmm. games in two years. Explain it to me. But they're washed away. A lot of people believe Brock is the guy. In a lot of ways, it feels like Shanahan and Lynch feel like Brock is the guy right now um but of course we're talking about you know two 20-minute interviews that I've tried to create some sort of speculation from so it's deeply speculative when I say that they could absolutely not believe that I'm just speculating but I do think he's playing with a little bit of house money in the sense that nobody's necessarily expecting or maybe they are I don't know I'm expecting a big jump from him this offseason I really (laughs) am but no but it feels like a lot of people are kind of like whatever whatever like it's kind of you said it right. Last resort. It does feel like even though it shouldn't be that way, it does feel a little bit that way. And I feel like he's got a little bit of house money to just he has nothing to prove. He doesn't need to impress the veterans on this football team. He's just got to do what Brock Purdy does, which is just go out and express yourself. Just go play. You don't have to think about these things. Right. And I go back to the Jimmy Ward quote, man, because to me, Robert, this this kind of di- the juxtaposition between these two quotes never got the attention it should have. And it was Fred Warner's quote from a year ago when he talked about how he had to sit Trey down and tell him to start throwing the ball, basically, in practice. He said it in a very nice way, but he said they were not getting reps because the guy wasn't throwing the football. And um, Jimmy Ward then talked about how much Brock Purdy on scout team worked on timing and worked on throwing the football. And he said he was just letting it go. He was taking chances. He was seeing what he could do. And the thing that stuck with me with that particular quote, because he said – He's not a first-round pick. He knows he's not getting a second chance. He doesn't care about his stats in practice. He doesn't care about how it looks. He's just letting it go because he knows the only way he's going to get a chance is if he improves. And that quote to me was so important because I felt like when you take those two quotes and you match them together, in some ways, Ward was also talking about what Lance didn't do in scout team last offseason to, compared to what Purdy did. And I feel like in some ways also Lance playing scout team, well, shoot, he's trying to take over a team with – all pro veterans with serious equity in the NFL, like Fred Warner and Nick Bosa and Jimmy Ward. Like you want to impress them too and scout team as well. And I do think that would have played into 22 year old Trey Lance's psyche in him, maybe not wanting to throw an interception and stuff. Cause he's scared of that judgment. Cause ultimately he needs those guys to look at him as the guy, but he also can't be, you know, this uh, dominating, domineering figure too, because these guys have had a level of success in the NFL that he's not been a part of. And so I do think there was a little bit of that psychology playing into Trey Lance, maybe being more conservative, whereas Brock Purdy is like, shoot, I got my chance. I earned it. I don't know when it's going to come again. I just got to let it go and let it rip. And I, I think now Trey Lance is in the position where his, he's kind of playing for his second contract. They got to make a decision on his fifth-year option. If there's ever an offseason where he can just say, just go let it rip, just let it happen, do whatever you know you need to do, just play on instinct. I always felt like he was so deliberate when he played. Everything was, I got to look here. I got to look down at the rush. Oh, they're collapsing. Now I got to scramble. Whereas Brock, everything was instinctive. Okay, rush, three-man rush. Okay, let me get out of this. Let me, you know, make something happen off schedule. All right, it's there. Let me just throw it. It wasn't like he was thinking. Whereas I felt like Trey Lance was always thinking when he was playing. But I think now is the opportunity where that pressure is gone. He doesn't have to think. You're, you're, you're really just playing for that fifth-year option, playing to prove yourself as the guy for the 49ers. Maybe, Robbie goes and kills it because that pressure is gone.
0: You could argue the pressure has gone, or you could argue there's more pressure than ever because this is his last chance to do it with the 49ers. So I, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I could see both sides. Yeah. But you mentioned Brock kind of winging it. Not only did he have that in, in camp, once he got in, like, dude, you're the third string guy. Who are they that's going money. to after you? They're not that's benching money, you. Yeah. So he can get in the game in the NFL in a regular season game and say, bleep it. There's Christian McCaffrey 30 yards down the field. Guess what? I'm chucking the ball against the ball. I'm throwing it. If he does if it's incomplete, whatever. If it's picked, whatever. They can't bench me. I'm bulletproof. Anything that I do that's good, people are gonna love. I think that's been a definite advantage for Brock Purdy. And uh when you combine that with his moxie and the and the personality he does have that could have been a good combination and led to some of the success that we saw oh i could talk about rob, this can stuff. i ask you a question before we go because i know okay. we're, we've
1: we've gone way over this is time the longest here, but... show
0: i've ever done but sure make it longer yeah
1: <laughs> hey rob it's it's always good to get your thoughts out when we're talking about something this deep but uh <laughs> but um do you think that if they had gotten rid of jimmy garoppolo right away trey lance would sort have of maybe felt I mean, again, this, I I would like to preface it by saying this is a perceived pressure. This is somewhat speculative from my part. All of it could be completely wrong, but let's go along this lines of speculation. Let's pretend like all of it does exist. Do you think if they had gotten rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, he wouldn't have felt this pressure, whether it was this, I mean, obviously last season they didn't, but this season, then him coming back and all of that, do you think that played into it? We only saw what, like 80 snaps this year? But yes, yeah,
0: of course it did. How could it not? They should have got rid of Jimmy the second they drafted Trey. I said that from the second Trey was drafted. And I would have said that whether they picked Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or Mac Jones or whoever. You can't move the new girlfriend into the apartment with the old girlfriend still living there. It's a thing. It's real. Whether you whether the 49ers said nice things in Trey Lance's ear or not, the reality of the situation was a guy that's beloved by the locker room, who's played to a higher level than you have ever played to in the NFL is right over your shoulder. Every second of every practice and every meeting, he's right there. He's like a cloud just hanging there in the sky waiting for you to screw up. And if he's there, there's going to be a comparison on every throw in practice, every interception, every mistake. If Jimmy Garoppolo is just gone No one on the 49ers is going to be thinking about him. There's not going to be a comparison to Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be an option. But as long as he was an option, there's always added pressure. And that applies to jobs in football and jobs not in football.
1: I I just, I I completely agree. I just read the last comment right now, scrolling through the comments as you were mentioning that. And the last comment, David, I think Heisey says, they couldn't trade Jimmy right after (laughs) That's right after humor. the draft,
0: teams didn't know if he would even be alive the following Sunday. Yeah, According to Kyle, we don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be alive. Um, so I, I think that there is another world where the 49ers could have handled this differently. And I think we would have known at least we would have had a much better idea of what Trey Lance is. If Jimmy was gone in 2021 and Trey had started again, assuming he could play because we obviously that's a big factor, but we would have at least known one way or the other. We still don't know. And I think eventually that becomes a disservice to your franchise. Like, you could say Super Bowl window all you want, but you need certainty. Even if you know for a fact that you got to go out and find somebody, that's a lot of ways better. It's like my job search right now. I've applied to a billion places. I don't know any. Even if I got all no's back, I would rather that than not knowing. Just tell me where I am and I can adjust. I can adapt. I can apply more places. But the uncertainty of not knowing freezes me and it leaves me in a state of limbo. And I, that is not where I like to live. And I don't think it's a good place for a football team to live.
1: Yeah. And kind of the last question I would, I guess have based on that is I I think I agree with you. I really do. Um, And I, I do think that if the 49ers knew maybe when we're talking about you know we 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 spent 40 minutes of this show talking about the confusion we had on what exactly he needed to do like how has this changed like how like what's gone wrong here like what is needs to be improved maybe the 49ers would have better ideas on the specific ways that they need to develop him um I can't I mean it seems like they're surprised by his skill (laughs) set every single week every single game like every single time right like Albert Breer saying he's not as fast as they thought they Why are we hearing this two years after he drafted? Like you would know how fast the guy is from his rookie mini camp.
0: And also they wear the trackers. We know exactly how many miles per hour each guy runs. Well, I mean,
1: apparently he, apparently he ran 21 miles per hour, right? right? Apparently he was faster than Lamar and faster than Daniel Jones and faster than all those guys who were fast. Kyler.
0: So. You either are that fast or or you're not. It's not like one day I could go run a 4-3 and then never be that fast again. That's not how it works. If you reach that speed in college, and again, this is before the ankle injury because we don't know how that's going to affect his speed, but if he reached that speed in college, he can reach that speed in the NFL too. Like, it's, you know, he either is that fast or he's not, and apparently the 49ers think he's not. Uh, I don't know. That seems weird to me anyway it's a great right.
1: place to end our show right another another thing that feels weird but we don't know exactly how to answer
0: yeah well welcome Thumbs to life up. as a 49ers fan uh thanks to everybody that hit us up with questions in the chat and to everybody with the super chats and the super thanks we really do appreciate it like and subscribe to the youtube channel uh also on twitch at stats on fire you can like uh there as well vish i appreciate your time as always thanks for bailing on all your work responsibilities always appreciate you putting the channel first
1: This is lunchtime, baby. This is lunchtime, Rob. (laughs) Nobody can distract me during lunchtime.
0: Rate, review, follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. If you leave a review, I promise you, we will read it on the show. Everybody, hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again later this week.